0: Thank you, Jessica and Rome, for that, uh, yeah. And in the same, the same line of, of worship, keeping our hearts in worship, we're going to spend time in the Word this morning. And um, not to forget, I want to thank the youth group uh, for that stirring skit, that video presentation, um, which it reminds us that today is Palm Sunday. Um, We may have different interpretations of what that is, (laughs) but um, hopefully we'll understand better when we're done here. Um, uh, But we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem and how he prepared himself to come as our king, but to go to the cross. And that means, again, that we have Good Friday service uh, this Friday here in the sanctuary. And Easter Sunday, a glorious Easter Sunday, next week, Next week, please join us. Take that opportunity to come and to worship the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus, to come and to learn about him and, and, and why he is our king. Um, today we're wrapping up the series on, on the book of Ruth. And so I want to just start with a, a question. It's, it may sound unrelated, but let me ask you this question. Do you have a best friend? Do you have a best friend, maybe a a sibling of yours, maybe your partner, your spouse, maybe um, a a friend, Um, maybe somebody here in the church? When I was growing up, I was uh, lucky enough to have two best friends. And uh, my two best friends were named Steve and Tracy. And they, Steve and Tracy lived next door to each other. And so both of their mothers used to babysit me. So one, they, they worked part-time, and so one wasn't uh, working. The, um, they would babysit me, or the other would. But they lived next door to each other, and uh, I would go to their house every day after school until my mom was done with work. And so my mom would teach at the local school. And um, so after, after school, then, she would come and pick me up <clears throat> needless to say Steve and Tracy and I spent a lot of time together we walked home from school together we played sports together we rode bikes we, we did, did homework sometimes together um, and we watched a lot of TV afternoon television um, and you can see we were all different we're all different than each other. I can see that when I, I, I look down, maybe the mic goes out. I better try not to look at my notes too much. Um, we were all different, different personalities, but it didn't matter. You know, the relationships, the friendships just connected, and we grew. And you could say that we were like the three musketeers, right? One for all and all for one. So you guys, you, I'm talking about the you know the guys with the swords and the swashbuckling guys, okay, <laughs> not the candy bar. Um, and I remember the three of us actually getting into fights uh, with other kids. The three of us getting into fights with other kids. If one of us was picked on, and so if you you know if you picked on one of us, then you'd have to take on all three of us. Um, and and some of you. Probably Probably know what that was like uh, growing up, or you know, somebody that was loyal to you. And that's what I would say. This was, it was growing up, it was kid stuff. But I would say we were loyal to each other. And that was a long time ago. And and now my best friends are are, are different. I have other best friends. But I want to ask how about you? Have you had friendships like that? where you were loyal to each other. You knew the other person would be there for you. Loyalty is not a word that that we use very much these days. I don't know if that's because in our society we don't develop those kinds of relationships anymore or because we use different words or think of it differently. But this theme of loyalty is what we've seen the past couple of months here in the book of Ruth. And so as we open up God's word, uh, let me take a moment to pray. Please pray with me. Father, I ask that you would just uh, help us to see you, Lord, through the words of scripture, through the words of my mouth, through the meditations of our heart, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us And that you would help us um, to know, Lord, uh, what to do, how to live, how to walk with you, and uh, how to be your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have been here for some or most of this, this series on Ruth? Just by a show of hands. Yeah, that's great. Then you know that the book of Ruth is... Um, It's a book of ups and downs. It's a book of highs and lows. In uh, in verse 1, the book begins by saying, in the days when the judges ruled. And this was a low time in Israel's history. In the time when the judges ruled, it was a dark time of sin and of godlessness. Judges 17.6 says, in those days... Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. Okay, this was, and this was not a good thing, when each person does as they see fit. As we, as we wrap up our series, I want to do a quick review of the four chapters of Ruth. And I put some bullets on a slide here, and I'm going to just quickly um, kind of refresh what we learned in Ruth and what we heard in the story in chapter one, there was a famine in the land, and so Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons, they left their home in Bethlehem, and they moved to the pagan country of Moab, okay? And then Elimelech dies. The sons, Malan and Kilion, they marry Moabite women, but after 10 years, Malan and Kilian also die, and they leave Naomi and the two daughters-in-law all alone. Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem and tells her daughters-in-law to stay in Moab because they'll have a better chance of remarrying, building their lives. Orpah leaves, but Ruth pledges her loyalty to Naomi. And so, loyal, so Naomi and Ruth, they return to Bethlehem, just as the barley season was beginning. But Naomi is bitter. At the end of chapter one, if you remember, she is bitter. She tells the people, call me Mara, which means bitter. And she blames God for her misfortune. In chapter two, Ruth goes out to the fields to glean leftover barley. She's trying to gather food for her and Naomi. And as it turns out, she goes into a field to pick grain in a field owned by a man named Boaz. Boaz, we learn, turns out to be a, a, godly, a godly man, a stand-up guy, and he also happens to be a relative of Naomi's. Boaz takes notice of Ruth, and he protects her, he provides for her, he shows her favor. I think he likes her. Um, in chapter 3, do you remember chapter 3? I'm not sure how to describe <laughs> uh, what took place. Um, I'll just say that there's this romantic Jewish custom thing. <laughs> that It, it involves uh, Ruth putting on perfume and dressing up and uncovering Boaz's feet and laying next to his feet. Um, so there's, I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> That's the best I can do with chapter 3. But basically, Ruth proposes marriage to Boaz. That's in effect what she's doing. And then in chapter 4, Boaz goes through the legal process of becoming Ruth and Naomi's kinsman redeemer. He redeems Naomi's property and he marries Ruth. And they give birth to a son and they name him Obed. In the end, we see that Naomi is no longer bitter and she's seen as having been blessed by God. And Obed eventually becomes the grandfather of King David. Ruth is a beautiful story of how God works out his purpose in the ups and downs and in the everyday lives of his people. And through the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, we learn uh, three key lessons three key lessons that are not just about them, but they're about God himself. The first, God is faithfully committed to his people. The book of Ruth, first and foremost, is, as I said, the story of love and loyalty. Ruth demonstrates this by sticking with Naomi in spite of the terrible circumstances. In chapter 1, verse 16, she says those famous words. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And she remained true to her words through the book. Then we see Ruth and Boaz expressing their love and commitment to each other. Now again, um, that made this uh, this rate this relationship this romance. It, it it made me feel a bit uncomfortable, especially chapter three. You know what happened over near the grain pile on the threshing floor. <laughs> and I'm not a very romantic guy, <laughs> um, so the wooing and the romance stuff was a little hard to read, especially coming from the Word of God. Um, it makes me think back to college. Uh, I, when I was preparing the message, I thought about this in college. In the fellowship, fellowship group we were in one time, the, the, the girls or the, the women in the group, uh, they had a dinner, like, like 20 or 30 of them. And they had this fancy ladies-only dinner. And they called it the Rotic The rotic dinner, R-O-T-I-C. And the guys, us guys, were like, "What's this? What's this rotic thing? You know, what's this rotic dinner? And why aren't we invited?" And it was explained to us, to us guys, that it was a romantic dinner, without the man. (laughs) I think Renee was a big supporter of the event. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I think what You know what bothered me About uh, Ruth and Boaz And their, their, uh, their courtship Was it felt a bit awkward I don't know if when we were going through chapter 3 Or even 4 If you felt that way a little bit Like well this is, feels awkward um, Ruth was a Moabite right? So she didn't know Jewish custom so Naomi said, go and do these things. She must have had to, like, take it down and, like, figure out, okay, I got to do this step by step. Probably not the most natural thing for her. Okay? And Boaz himself didn't seem like a, bit, a very debonair guy. He, you know, he seemed like it, it took him a while to catch on to what was going on. And it kind of reminded me of, of my courtship with Renee. <laughs> But what I, what I want to see here, what I want us to see, is that the Lord provided these relationships. Ruth for Naomi, Ruth for Boaz, Boaz for Ruth and Naomi. Think about what their lives would have been like without the other person. And it's the same for us, that God demonstrates his faithfulness to us by the love of the people he places in our lives. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, God is so far from me. He's not helping me. He's not near. And yet there are people around you that love you, that pray for you, that support you. And we lose sight of the fact that God has provided these friends, these loyal people, to care for us. I'll refer back to a word that I used when I spoke last month and it's the word Kesed chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. It's a Hebrew word that combines, it combines the idea of love and loyalty between parties in a covenant relationship, a covenant that's a legal agreement or a contract where two or more parties are bound together. Chesed is the word often used to describe God's steadfast love and his commitment to his people. It's used in Deuteronomy 7.9 when Moses says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments if you have entrusted your life to Christ, then God has pledged his kesset to you. Ruth, Ruth said, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. And likewise, Jesus in Hebrews 13.5 13, 5 says, never will I leave you, Never will I forsake you. The second lesson from Ruth, redemption is a process that takes time. When we open the book, we see Ruth and Naomi in a dark, dark, sad place in their lives. Their husbands have died. They have no children. And they're living in Moab, a hostile pagan society. By themselves, they have no hope. And so we sympathize and we struggle with them as we see them in the beginning of the book, wondering what's going to happen, what's God going to do? And we understand why Naomi was bitter. So they needed help, but who's going to help two widows, one older the other a foreigner, no children. Well, in the end, we know that this is, this is Boaz. Boaz is the one. He becomes their kinsman redeemer. And by the end of the book, we see that Naomi's disposition has changed. She is no longer bitter. And we ask, why? Why is she no longer bitter? Well, obviously her situation has stabilized. Right? She is in a much better place. But I think she also realizes that God has not abandoned her. She, got, she saw glimpses of God's faithfulness along the way that softened her heart. And this, this doesn't always happen this isn't always the case. Often to cope with difficulties and brokenness in life, we wander away from God and not to him. And that's, that's like us sometimes. It is to feel things are falling apart and to blame God and to walk away from God instead of to him. As life is not found apart from God, our wandering just produces it produces more hopelessness and more bitterness. But in Deuteronomy thirty one eight it says The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid Do not be discouraged. The women who earlier could not even recognize Naomi at the beginning of the book when she returned to Bethlehem, at the end of the book, they now said, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And then the last picture of the book that we have is of Naomi holding Obed, her grandson. And that sweet picture of, of of her joy and her satisfaction. See, This is a beautiful picture of redemption, but it took time. It didn't happen overnight. God needed to put the pieces in place as he does in our lives. Like Boaz was to Naomi, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He has bought us with his blood. Listen to the words of Ephesians, Paul's words in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. And think about some of the parallels to Ruth and Naomi's life. lives. It says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The third Third and final point is God's purposes will be accomplished. As we walk through Ruth, we saw the sadness and the blessing of everyday life for Ruth and Naomi. Yet when you look back on it, after we've finished the book, you see God's hand at work to redeem them and to further his plan for his chosen people. At the very end of the book, If you look at the very end of chapter 4, you see a genealogy and a lineage. And it goes from Perez, a number of generations up, on down to Boaz, and then to Obed. Obed, who became the father of Jesse, and Jesse, who became the father of King David. But it doesn't stop there. If you turn to Matthew chapter 1, in the first chapter, the complete connection is made between Ruth and David and Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 1, you, res- you see the genealogy down to all the way to Jesus. This tells, me, this tells me that God was working out his plan of salvation... Hundreds of, years, hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament through the life of Ruth. Who knows what God may be cultivating in your life? I sometimes think that if, if and I know the Lord doesn't work this way for us here on earth, but if we could see our whole lives laid out before us and we could see God's purpose in these things, we would fall on our knees in humility and praise for God's wisdom and God's goodness. And God's irrepressible plan, it carries on. His purposes will be accomplished. In Matthew 21, we read that Jesus entered Jerusalem On that Palm Sunday, Matthew 21, verses 6 through 10. Let me read these verses to you. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Hailed by the people as king on Palm Sunday, and then betrayed and sentenced to die, on the cross, just a week later. Who is this? Jesus. He was the Holy Son of God. Faithful, loyal, righteous. The only one who could carry out the Father's plan of redemption. And make no mistake, this was a plan. Jesus was not the victim of unforeseen circumstances. He knew the cross was before him. He came to die for you and me. Our king, he rode in humbly on a colt, on a donkey, 2000 years ago to suffer, to die, and then to rise again on our behalf. Ruth I see Ruth and Jesus' story coming together. And it's from Ruth to Christ. Ruth is a story of love and loyalty. But in the end, it's really a story about Jesus. It's a story about the Messiah and the redemption he brings. Remember where we started in the book of Judges? it said in those days Israel had no king we end here on palm sunday where we give honor and praise to our king and our redeemer people like ruth me you me and others who were once far away without hope are now brought near to God by the blood of Christ and by his sacrifice we go from sadness to joy despair to delight death to life so this coming week as we experience Holy Week Passion Week let us honor and worship Christ our King Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the the ways that you teach us through your word and from the book of Ruth. Lord, we thank you for your love, your loyalty.